welcome to Afterthoughts, the podcast where we give you some thoughts after we watch something. I am your host, Ryan King. Uh, tonight we've got something that I guess might stick in your head, some uh, songs maybe that might stick around in your head. We'll make sure we talk into the microphone tonight, uh, directly into the bush that the microphone is in the bush that the cord goes to the Remember, Ryan, the round tunes. <laughs> round dark tunes. Yes, and the uh, the voices that you hear joining me tonight, we have uh, Michael Dixon. What's up, Ryan? Excited to, to talk about this uh, 1952 classic. Yeah, cool. And also, John Garcia. Repeat after me, Ryan. The bland man sanded his hand when he handed his sand to a band canned in a crammed stand. And make I'm it gonna, all rounded. Yeah, <laughs> I need to see it written down. There's like no way like that they were doing that. I was like, you need to hand me the book. So our, our references that we are making here, we are talking about, yes, 1952 uh, cinematic classic uh, musical slash dancical uh singing in the rain singing in the singing. rain there's no g singing in the rain singing apostrophe in the rain Starring Gene Kelly and Debbie Reynolds, uh, and I'm forgetting the third guy's name Conrad off the top of my head. Is I probably got top billing. Donald O'Connor. I was close. Donald O'Connor, yes, as the as the funny one, which is yeah, it's a it's a musical. It I would say for the most part, the 75 percent of the movie, it actually tries to make the music kind of part of what's going on and kind of fit. And towards the end of the movie, it kind of forgets about that and just fucking does musical <laughs> yeah, bullshit. Yeah, it doesn't care. <laughs> um, but the, the plot is, it's 1927. Our main character and another actress who's not his girlfriend, but everybody thinks is his girlfriend, uh, have just put out an amazing picture It that looks terrible. Um, and the talkies are coming in, and now... Uh, the jazz singer has come out. Everything in Hollywood now is about making talking pictures, and they're going to change the movie that they're currently filming into a talking picture. But his co-star Lena Lamont uh, is not a good talker, to put it. <laughs> what are you talking about? She talks uh, all what is the he, time. Of course they do. Yeah, she can't. What does he say? Like she can't sing. She can't talk. She can't, she can't dance. Sing, she's she a triple threat. Yeah. yeah, yeah. She can't act. <laughs> Uh, so yes, essentially we go through, uh, he, he meets a girl and we have a little bit of like relationship growth. Uh, we have a lot of excuses for song and dance and later on in the movie, they realize they can 
uh, salvage this shitty movie that they put out because they don't really understand how to make a talkie movie by making it into a musical and inventing dubbing. Uh, inventing yeah. <laughs> the Millie Vanilli. They're going to Millie Vanilli over the actress uh, with a better singer. <laughs> um, I, you know, I picked this movie because it has been a while since I saw it. I was probably in high school. Uh, I don't care for musicals, uh, but I remember liking this one, and I do like Paint Your Wagon. Uh, but other than that, <laughs> man, I'm not related to musicals. Um, and I, but I do remember this one being good, and the songs stick around in my head and even the dance routines like I can remember parts of dance routines uh, and this also came back into my mind because I will annoy my daughter endlessly when she doesn't wake up in the morning by saying singing the good morning song from this movie <laughs> nice <laughs> uh, that's how that's how much it it takes up space in my brain uh, and I wanted to go back and watch it because it has been that long to see how it held up especially because we talk about movies in this time period being uh, you forget racism in them or sexism in them or something mm -hmm. and this one i would say there's some like background references but it's kind of more like the time period stuff there's nothing that's like directly uh white christmas in your face uh, <laughs> yeah. in this uh and i would say really not anything sexist other than the general hollywood uh not caring about their women roles as much um, which is the, still true today. The approach toward Lena generally feels like a little sexist to me. Um, yeah, yeah, it yeah. They pretty though. much all dunk on her. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and yeah. So going going back to it, like my yeah, my quick take. It is it is a funny movie. Like this is a wacky comedy. Um, it tells you right up at the front when some guy's face in the camera says Zelda, Zelda, with like a crazy yeah. eyes into <laughs> it. That's like it's not taking itself seriously. Um, it and it really stays pretty funny throughout enough that it kind of suckers you in over time into the, to the music anyway. Um, the songs have like comedy within them. Several songs are just straight comedic songs. Uh, and they all have excellent dancing by Gene Kelly. Um, and that kind of steals a lot of it. I think there's definitely times where you have to like, just stop and be amazed at like, man, I don't, how the fuck are they going up and down stairs mm -hmm. like that? It mm -hmm. just seems so dangerous. Uh, but they make it look effortless. Um, and all of that holds up. It's still excellent song. It's still excellent dancing. Uh, and just overall, like, I enjoyed it. I watched it with uh, the wife and the daughter. The son said he didn't want to watch musicals. I did want his take, but he just decided he wasn't He wasn't even going to attempt. Um, but they both enjoyed it. Um, obviously, like, they were like, hey, the music's good. The dancing's good. Darla was like, ah, old movies and their treatment of women's always a little, eh. Uh, and it, it was, it's not too uncomfortable in this. It, yeah. But like you said, it's there with Lena. Um, but she was like, it still was like good. Like it was funny and the music was good. Um, so I get a thumbs up around my house at least. Uh, but we'll jump John. What are, what's your take on singing in the rain? Uh, I think I've seen this movie twice before and I really enjoyed each time. It kind of helps me come back around to appreciating and liking musicals for certain aspects. And it also made me think the entire time I watched this, I just remember we had an old episode where I talked about In the Heights and how uh, I couldn't make up my mind if I knew how to parse, if it was really impressive or not. 
And Dixon was like, well, just tell me, like, would you recommend to refute it? And I was like, I don't fucking. It was like one of my straddling offenses. <laughs> yeah. I think yeah. I absolutely would refute that because uh, Singing in the Rain's out there and you can just fucking watch that instead. And it's yeah. like a superior musical experience. Um, doesn't tell the same story, but like there's other musicals that would probably tell it better than Lin-Manuel did. And so uh, I've come around. Thank you, Singing in the Rain, for clarifying things for me. <laughs> clarifying um, that you don't like In the Heights. That's right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, just the amount of choreography in it, it, it like made me want to watch like La La Land again, which is a derivative of it. I would say it's very yeah, inspired by and not to like knock it by saying it's derivative of it, but it is very much like they wanted to get triple threat kind of status going for that cast too. And here it's just like, yeah, anytime I watch the dance choreography, I, at some point I was like, this is just a series of vignettes that like everything in between dancing and musical parts vignettes to get us to dancing and musical parts like <laughs> even the scheme to salvage the movie doesn't make fucking sense like there's nothing about that no. that i was like and then he has a dream <laughs> sequence in everybody's 1920 flapper girls like the dude in this period piece would never know what the fuck that was so it's like all right fine whatever gene kelly just do it <laughs> it's gonna be great um yeah i enjoyed the humor i found myself laughing a lot like i forgot how funny a lot of it was um, the fucking opening sequence where they're like, tell us about your, like, how did you get here? Your life story. And he's not in front of all these people yeah. <laughs> telling that like, <laughs> anyway, <I was laughs> one that he's like telling this fucking long ass story in front of everybody on the red carpet. <laughs> but then his whole contradictory statement and getting to see like them sneaking into movies that they're not supposed to be in and all that other shit. Just great. Just great. Fun, uh, fun moments to it. And yeah, the music has a very earworm quality and the sets are fucking huge and like really intricate. And it's hard not to be impressed by all of that. Um, I will say like, in addition to things that haven't aged well or are kind of weird, it's really weird that a police officer just ran up to that car and was like, excuse me, ma'am, are you in distress? Why, that's Don Lockwood. <laughs> Don Lockwood. Never mind. Go about your business, Mr. Lockwood, and just like leaves. <laughs> that's probably about how it would go, I think. But yeah, yeah. It, yeah, it's true. It is weird, though. Definitely that later in the 1950s, too, much less now. <laughs> yeah. Or 1927. Yeah. yeah. It Even is kind more of so, weird yeah, right, that later there's a police officer who gives Don Lockwood like a mean mug. And I was just like, what? There's like a difference. These officers, that guy must not follow any celebrities. How dare you <laughs> express joy in public, sir? Yeah. <laughs> so you're splashing and that's a felony. <laughs> um, but yeah, I loved it. Uh, I loved it on my third go around. It was a really fun time. It made me want to see other musicals that I remembered liking in the past. So it was one of those like. Oh yeah, this is a thing. And it also helped me figure out how I really felt about in the Heights without having to go back to it. So thanks <laughs> again, singing in the rain. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Uh, Dixon, how did you take it? Yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. This was also my third viewing of it. And, um, yeah, I mean, this, this movie is just so much fun. Like I, I'm not a big musical fan either. There are some that I like, but I, I generally, generally it's not my thing. But like it's I don't know how you don't like singing in the rain. You know, it's just it's so much fun. It's like a very joyful movie. And you can tell everybody making it is just having a ball. And everybody making it is very talented and doing really impressive work. And it's just shocking to watch them do the things they're doing. Like just the the dance numbers are fucking insane. Like Don Donald O'Connor, holy shit, is like just <laughs> so incredibly talented. Like the whole make them laugh bit is just insane. Yeah. yeah. Like, I don't know. I don't know how, like, you know, how it's even possible to to pull that shit off. And, like, they're not hiding anything through editing. They're doing all this shit in long takes and, and doing all these impressive dance numbers that 
is just like a really fun to watch. And like, so it's like, definitely the point of the movie is the singing and dancing. And there are points where you're it just like the dancing is so good and so like not connected to the story where you just like it kind of pulls you out of the movie a little bit and you're just like holy shit this is so impressive and you're just like all right i'm just gonna sit here and watch this dance number and that's fine like i don't need it to necessarily make sense or connect into the story why are they wearing tap shoes to diction class a- i don't everywhere. know yeah, i don't know shoes everywhere. <laughs> never know when taps are gonna break out like yeah. <laughs> that's like that's a problem that i always have with musicals like you know when people break out into song mid-sentence it's really hard for me not to laugh um you know and i always have questions like that i'm like oh okay yeah really you're just wearing your tap shoes around town just for for whatever reason um but it's just so much fun and the 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 movie is like so silly in a a really good way where like you said ryan it's not taking itself seriously like the whole the whole dance number in the diction class where they're just like fucking with the diction teacher for no reason is just so much fun and it doesn't really need to exist in the movie but it does and it's great you know um the whole Broadway melody sequence is so impressive and so nonsensical. And you're like, I don't know why the fuck this is in the movie, but I don't care. At that point, you're just like, I don't care. It's really impressive. And I'm having fun with this and and watching it. Um, Yeah. The the idea that they're remaking this movie into a a musical, it's just so, it's so dumb on its face, but it's like, who cares? It's just, it's a lot of fun. Like, I don't, I'm unclear on what the story in the movie is supposed to be. Is there like a Broadway play within the movie? Is it like, the dude, uh, you like gets knocked out and has a fever dream and comes back to like, what is the story of this movie? I don't yeah. fucking know. It ends in the black and white in, in the French time with, yeah. uh, with like <laughs> the costumes and stuff. So I, I don't even know what the hell they're doing. But apparently the movie was a smash hit. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's just like you can't watch this movie without having a big smile on your face. And um, yeah, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, whatever the final film is, has got to be absolutely ridiculous. But oh, maybe it's the yeah. same thing. It's just amazing dance numbers and everyone just enjoys that. <laughs> just, yeah, yeah, exactly. Give a shit about the plot. Um, yeah, and, th- and this is peak movie studio time, like 1952. So we're mm-hmm. seeing like amazing sets, choreography, color, like everything is over the top in some of these, you know, especially like the Broadway um piece where it's just like set and they're moving the set and they're bringing in people and yeah at that same part it's literally just like the executive is like hey the movie's going good what what's left to get done and he's like oh well there's one more scene then he describes something that's like five days worth of filming yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> all the shit that's like, going he's on like, i can't visualize it but i'm sure it'll look great on film yeah it'll be great yeah <laughs> uh which is yeah it's just an excuse to sing another song that has nothing to do with it um, but yeah, You're not even like, on Broadway. It's just it's it's so stupid. No, it's yeah, a Broadway no shit. And he's, he's given the ultimate choice that all actors are given: whether to continue dancing or join the mafia and become a gangster <laughs> for ladies. You tell they're rich because they each have a shiny silver dollar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think it's like uh, it'll be you know in. It, w- w- it's tough to talk about this. Like it's the plot is kind of just there to shoestring us through and get us to the dances um there's definitely interesting things to talk about about the individual dances in particular yeah the make them laugh dance is just a phenomenal 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 amazing uh just an amazing sequence of the body language the flipping off the wall the pratfalls 
the comedy within it that's just comedy of body movement. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like messing around with the mannequin, right? Kind of making it look like a, a bit. Like that is all just amazing. Apparently they had done that uh, all in one time. Uh, and the guy smokes like four packs a day. So he was like, I was fucking done afterwards. And he How came back after like. How the hell would you have the lung capacity to do that dance? To do it anyway. Four yeah. packs a day. <laughs> he said he came back and the footage was all shit and he had to refilm it. So the version yeah. we're seeing is he had to do it again. Oh my uh, God. So yeah, just really, really impressive work. Um, and yeah, pretty, pretty much every one of these songs has something where it's like dancing. You know, it's like even the moment of like they're just dancing because they think. I guess the idea is they think the words are funny that the dictation coach is saying. Yeah. And they just Moses take it and run with his it. Toes are roses. <laughs> yeah. But even in that sequence, they do a bit where they're like dancing on chairs. Yeah. And like coming on up and off the chair. And it's just ridiculous. It's like, I'm like, and I always wonder with those, how do you practice? How do you work up to Being <laughs> like dancing up that? and down steps, like, <laughs> like getting to, to do that or dancing on the chair? Like what's the slowed down version where you, to get that technical? Or do you just go like, I think I can do it. And you just wing it. <laughs> Probably yeah. the latter. Probably the latter. It's just like stunt people. <laughs> it's just like, yeah. yeah, fuck it. I'll just try to feel this out and see how it goes. Which I, I also did appreciate at the beginning, the whole montage of uh, to climbing the ranks through stunt work. Uh-huh. Uh, those gags were, were fucking great. Just like <laughs> the fact, too, that like the dude before uh, uh, Lockwood it, it just like eats a punch straight to the face. And that's just apparently they don't even try to like work out some kind of proximity. They're just like beat the shit out of this guy. And then he's like, Oh God, we lost another one. Director <laughs> Just like uh, utterly upset. Not about that man's health, but just ah, fuck. We're just running through too many stunt people with these crazy punches. I would imagine in silent Hollywood, given how much physical comedy there was in those types of movies that they just ran through stuntmen like like pieces of paper you oh, know, no just, doubt like you know they were just a dime a dozen laying around on the set you just pick another one up and throw them in yeah especially yeah. for the train scenes don't even get me started <laughs> <laughs> i'm uh, sure they had excellent on-set safety standards yeah oh for sure yeah <laughs> there's no way they wouldn't <laughs> yeah i did think about there is that sequence early on where uh lockwood's character is getting swamped by fans who are tearing his jacket off Mm-hmm. And he like jumps from a car to uh, a trolley, a streetcar trolley, and then off of that into another car. And I was trying to look at the edit of it because I was like, it's got to be a stunt guy for just that one jump. Yeah. Uh, but I was like, honestly, 1950, I don't know. Like, <laughs> yeah. maybe they were just like, well, I pay for a stunt guy for that one scene, Gene. Just fucking jump in the car. <laughs> I, I, yeah. I, I don't know. Now, he definitely jumps on the hood of the first car. Like he does that, but it's not, it's yeah. 1920s car. So they're not going too fast, but him going into that Nazi bunker and it blowing up. Now you could tell that <laughs> they wouldn't blow yeah. up Gene Kelly. <laughs> that was the scene they saved for last. <laughs> oh, yeah. Man. I appreciate the, like the throwbacks to Hollywood that this is a, yeah. Taking place in 1927. Um, also, you know, kind of a peak Hollywood time, but the transition to the to the talkie and they mentioned specifically the jazz singer, which was the first spoken word movie mm-hmm. uh, problematic in its own right. Mm-hmm. If you were to go back and watch it today, um, but, you know, was a big deal, like a big push. And particularly it was the singing, right? That 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 movie is like kind of half a silent movie. And then they get into the singing 
and that's actual there as the talkie, but it er ushered in this new era that a lot of actors had trouble transitioning into. Um, And I think watching even a 1950s movie, it's still interesting to me how the style of movie hasn't been figured out yet. There's still a lot of things that are either a Broadway stage show or just a regular play, and they're emoting too hard. Uh, I think this movie's pretty good at, at all of it, uh, but it is interesting. I, I watch movies now, and then I'll go back and watch a movie from like this time period, and I'm like, man, they, they draw out things they don't have to. Like The editing is so much snappier now, mm-hmm. and you can tell yeah. a, a better story in a shorter period of time because we just know how to use the medium so much better. Yeah, it's it's I think that it is one of those like um we just the technology got smaller, things got easier to put wherever you wanted them to. The uh way that you can you know fabricate props, all of that has advanced and like making rooms and things look way more real than just a stage play or like hey, this is a big stage, we got to have like rotating we have to rotate all of our props because we're like cranking out these movies in like six weeks and we're doing all this other stuff that probably comes with it. Um, it's fascinating to watch it. Uh, but like the, yeah, the one thing I noticed about this is it, it definitely felt like it has that Broadway camp to it where they would just be like, it's so rapid fire, like Aaron Sorkin esque kind of fast quips coming back and forth. Although these ones I enjoy a lot. Um, and so it was just one of those, uh, Things that like looking at the other, like what musicals now have that, they still have that same kind of vibe to them, but other, like La La Land gets really close to being like, it is a movie with musical moments in it, as opposed to it is a musical that is made into a movie where you have like cats or like other shit. That I, feel like <laughs> <a kid. laughs> I, I was going to say the, the, the greatest showman is a decent example of like mm. the more modern take on it. And, and in that one, my family likes it. And I had to watch it a few times and it took a bit for me to gel. I know it took a bit for me to gel with like, cause it doesn't really tell you this, but in the musical it's like, Oh, the songs are like time transitional. Like that's how they're supposed to be used in that movie. And it's not really obvious how that's happening. It just is that exact. Everyone just starts fucking singing out of left field. And then you're like, wait a minute shit plot happened in there that I, that I'm supposed to have figured out. Like it just uses it as this transition into the next thing. Um, where here, this is, and I feel like this is where I like the musical space of it being diegetic for the most part to, Oh, we're making a movie about musicals. And so there's some singing in it. And these are characters that have grown up singing and dancing and joking. And so that's the way they are. That's the way they think. Um, and yeah, you have to give up the, like, they wear tap shoes everywhere. And towards the end, there's a, you know, there's like the, the singing in the rain song that is the title and is, you know, a well-known song even, you know, still today is a pretty classical musical, musical thing where he's just singing to himself and fucking dancing around outside. Yeah. Um, but it works. And again, it's an amazing technical scene, the dancing and the rain mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, effects and, and and the filming of that are all really amazing technical things. So you do just kind of give up to it here where I feel like with modern musicals and, you know, like, like you're mentioning uh, a Lin-Manuela Miranda, Lin-Manuel Miranda, Lin-Manuel Miranda, modern musical or the greatest showman, like they just fucking cut corners on so much shit of like digital effects editing yeah. right yep. these aren't long take 
dance se- sequences. There's tons of editing, snappy yeah. editing in them just to get around it. And yeah, it's just a very different thing to go back and see something here that really is about the dance and the song. And there is if you did go to a play and ha- they were doing it fully in front of you, like that level, Broadway level of talent being shown. Yeah. Yeah. You mentioned, Ryan, the you know movies from this era having longer edits and feeling like too slow and not paced right is there something from this movie that you can think of because i felt like this singing in the rain moved pretty well this one moves well and actually what it made me think about was uh christmas in july and some of the other sort of zany the screwball comedies of the time that Mm -hmm. i go back and i watch those and i don't feel that i feel like they get dialogue better yeah they understand they're willing to like talk over each other right that was some of those early screwball comedies were some of the first things where like people talk over each other a little bit or cut each other off, or things like that. Yeah. Uh, and so the dialogue feels snappier. It feels somewhat more realistic. This one, I agree, is kind of the Aaron Sorkin, like we're having fun with the dialogue. It's trying to get to joke, to joke, to joke. Yep. Um, but it does feel, it just feels better, right, as a watcher. Um, then you go back to something of the same time period where you where it feels a little bit weaker to get to the parts. I do think I was also thinking about, you know, this movie looking nostalgically back on the 1920s mm-hmm. and the filmmaking then was this dramatic, you know, still that, you know, you go back and watch silent movies and they're pretty okay, much stage on. plays. And yeah, unless you're looking at like a Fritz Lang movie where they're actually fucking right. using the medium. Most of the rest of the stuff was like a static camera and they were, you know, they were filming oh, these yeah. like love scenes or a fight scene, Errol Flynn style you know, or whatever. It just was kind of just the camera sat there and they did some stuff and maybe some stunts, but it wasn't really using the medium to be more than you could have seen in person. Um, and that's part of why the transition to the talkies was difficult. I think part of the the funniest parts in this movie are when they're filming and mm. decided to make the movie into a talkie and they're fucking up the shit with the microphone. I fucking You're hearing love that it sound like guy. ruffle. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're all yeah. that sound guy. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Trying to get her to talk into the bush, <laughs> the bush and talk into the microphone so they can hear you. And she just, I don't, keeps I don't really like these lines. Can I just say something else? As long as it's into the bush. Yeah. The bush. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, you feel, you feel for it. And then like later you see it, she's like messing with the pearls and you hear her heartbeat uh, in one part of it. And just like all, and it's it, John and I, know you watch some of these more recent like really indie movies and they fuck <laughs> up the sound just like that today oh, yeah. but I, I do have to think that yeah in the 20s like they're fucking figuring out like they didn't it, it was like oh can we put the mic on her i guess like let's try that but then of course he's had the cords to deal with um so yeah just a bit, I, I get it right that that time and why that mm-hmm. was difficult back then it's just interesting to think about how we've just figured those things out now like no problem uh, they have the, the the executive walks in towards the end of that scene. And he steps over the cables and he's like, this is fucking dangerous. <laughs> he pulls the cable and it whips the girl over onto her back. And I was like, yeah, get a gaffer. Like they know now. <laughs> Just fucking tape that shit down everywhere. Uh, yeah, it's interesting, like talking about the transition into sound and obviously there are a lot of big silent stars that just kind of disappeared like douglas fairbanks and and others from that era who were these huge stars and just kind of fell off the the earth and then you have some that actually do it successfully a lot of actors that are brought in from the stage because they're used to to talking and like you end up with a lot of movies from that early era feeling like plays and 
part due to that. And then you also have like Charlie Chaplin, who just decided that he was just not going <laughs> to transition. Yeah, just keep going. And, you know, he just like made some great silent films into the like the 40s, you know, like although like, uh, you know, more than a decade into the sound era, still just doing silent films and doing them really well. So it's interesting to see like how people approached that and, and dealt with that transitionary period. Yeah, I'm actually uh, like fascinated thinking about because this is one of those things where like the I think the most recent movie that I can think of that came out that was fully silent is The Artist, which I didn't mm -hmm. see. I just know the whole reason is it's supposed to be like a throwback to silent era. Is all right. Anyway, but... Yeah, and it's one of those things where I was like, is there a movie now or like a director who could do a silent film and actually get away with it? Like it would be gripping and compelling and like they would know how to make it work because i think about so many of the things that are needed now like a lot of movies like and filmmakers rely heavily on a score and a dramatic like vocal performance it has to be something you feel and you not just see sort of thing but uh i was it was interesting to think about it because i bet I, the the mandy director could do a really good silent film oh yeah uh, cosmos cosmos yeah something cosmos something <laughs> cosmo kramer yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah cosmos cosmatos or something like that yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the artist does pretty good. And again, though, you're giving like that is the plot as well, right? It is the artist is also about that silent movie transition. And so it's using that to kind of give you a little bit of the the feel of what those movies were. So I think you kind of can do it. But yeah, either it's something where it's silent the whole time because there's no reason for dialogue. Yeah. Or, yeah, I, th I think it would be difficult for a modern audience to go there. There's we have so many people still who won't watch something with subtitles because they don't want to read if they're having to like watch something and then fucking wait for the card to come up to tell you what the dialogue yeah. was. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Like it's tough for a modern audience. Yeah, it, it definitely can be, but I feel like it's one of those things where there's gotta be some like niche filmmaking community out there. That's like dedicated to doing <laughs> silent films. Oh, uh, I can tell you there's a 2023 silent film that I liked that I mentioned on this podcast a couple of times, uh, uh -huh. by the, um, uh, Koyana Scotsi director, uh, Once Within a Time. So that this is a silent movie that was well, made last year. So nice. it happens, yeah. but it's not it's not common. It's not common. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's definitely yeah, definitely rare. Um, I also think yeah, this makes me think of I, I like the kind of talking about these transition periods and looking back. The other thing, Sunset Boulevard, is a movie that comes to mind. Mm. Um, that's just like one of my favorite movies. But uh, the same concept there of dealing with an actress who kind of has crashed and burned because of the the talkies like that's directly what it's following what i i found so interesting about that movie in particular is that most of the stars and actors in that movie are people from the silent movies that didn't transition like they actually yeah. just directly cast those people into those roles in that movie it's so meta um where this one is just good dancers like gene kelly yeah. was just getting <laughs> people he knew who could dance to put them together and this is gene kelly directed uh co-directed mm. uh, which is also interesting um obviously his touch in the in the dance routines yeah the uh it's it's also it feels like they have they have caricatures of a lot of the silent film stars which also feels like i wasn't sure if that's like mm -hmm. a dig or if it's just for funsies but they definitely had like some parts i could just tell with the cinematography that these characters are supposed to be representative of whoever these other silent film stars could have been at the same time. It's interesting to see that parallel like fictional 
universe where there is what is it monumental pictures is that uh-huh. what it's called? yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> i want to know whenever there's a fake movie studio i want to know what their movie titles are they've they've got to have like, oh yeah some really Maybe goofy or really through. dumb ones especially because we see a man in blackface uh there's got to be something offensive in that like <laughs> studio library um when they're just casually hanging out on set with like steve who's in like tribal gear or whatever I was like, all right, man, (laughs) those moments. I assume Monumental is a riff on Paramount. Yeah. Right, probably, yeah. Yeah. Because they mentioned Warner Brothers. Uh I don't mention (laughs) anybody else. Yeah, it's interesting that they they directly reference other real movies and studios, uh, but then within it, it's their own made-up studio and made up movies because don't they did, they did they say the movie at the beginning is like the best picture from the previous year or whatever that they're or, or something like that the or one just that's that premiering it, at the start of the movie yeah yeah the premiere at the start of the movie was like the best so. picture or i think they were like saying that. that like it was uh the best movie they had done together or something but that didn't something feel like, like that. that well i don't 27 was the first oscars right so like i i think th- they may not have even had that concept at the time but yeah yeah, maybe not. Yeah. Yeah, it was just easier to win an Oscar back then. Before <laughs> <laughs> uh, all that money and corruption got involved. The whole point of the Oscars was because people weren't going to the movies, and so they needed to like promote themselves. Always dignity. Always <laughs> dignity. <laughs> uh. Yeah, it is interesting, like, the plot point at the end revolving around the contract that uh, Lena has with the studio and in the 50s it was still that way where the studios contracted the actors um and owned them yeah (laughs) yeah essentially rent them out to other studios at a stable yeah (laughs) yeah and that 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 was the thing so that yeah she's trying to hold over the studio that if they don't continue to make her a star that she's going to sue them for for breach of contract which yeah like today you're like fuck you (laughs) yeah we don't need you anymore we're yeah, put you in the Congress. Fucking, <laughs> we're gonna replace money. you with Don Cheadle. Yeah, we're just done with you. <laughs> Don Cheadle. He's just always replaced the actors throughout history. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I did like seeing that. I guess we we haven't really talked about Debbie Reynolds and Debbie Reynolds' performance. Um, yeah, and, and this is her first uh, title role, and really her first movie, or or really really early yeah. in her career. And it and she just like comes in hard like just her singing's great her dancing the chemistry she has with gene kelly is fantastic like um watching her go through the different emotions when he hijacks her car um was fun (laughs) (laughs) like super funny even though it also would have genuinely been terrifying oh yeah (laughs) i have a man just drop into your car (laughs) be like keep driving (laughs) um (laughs) Uh, but yeah, like the, I felt like she fit really well. And this, one of those movies where like, you know, you have two cast members and you can tell these characters are supposed to like get romantically involved. And sometimes they really don't, whoever is behind the camera writing the script doesn't put a shit ton of effort into making that believable. Um, because they're like relying on the chemistry of their stars. I feel like it's the case here that they didn't really care. It was like, we're going to set up kind of a meet cute moment where they you know, have, they have enough exchanges. I feel like in the movie to be like, all right, you qualify. I can believe that you would both be romantically involved. 
but it doesn't go beyond that. There's no like extra dates they go on or anything else where Gene Kelly tells her about his dreams or any of that <laughs> shit. They're just like, ah, fuck it. Gotta dance. Like, just do it. Uh, everybody's into this. Um, he takes I, her into that empty stage and shines some lights on her and then we're good. That I felt like he hit the gas like real hard there. Cause he was like, you're like made for me. Yeah. It's like, all right, Gene Kelly, if you weren't singing, this would be really this fucking creepy. This is the creepy. second time I've seen you, but I can <laughs> yeah. tell we're we're meant for each other, baby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then, of course, he discovers that she's seen all of his movies and is obsessed with him. <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah. right. She plays it so cool in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Pisses him off, which I really found. That's just fun, too. Yeah. It's like uh, he is, what is it, doing his monologue about being torn away from her and rips his fucking jacket and hat. Jacket on the car, yeah. <laughs> just great. His his ego is so easily wounded, too. And I, I kind of like that. It, it feels like Jim Kelly kind of knocking himself or, Gene you Kelly. know, movie stars generally. And like, you know, these uh, you know big egos that are so easily wounded by just some random fan being like, eh, you're fine. You know, I saw one of your movies. I didn't need to see anymore. And he just like can't get over that. You know, he's like, oh, I got to find this this woman again because no one has ever told me I suck before. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> The, the movie that they show at the beginning that he's the the big star in, uh, which I think they just it's like clips from actually Gene Kelly and the Three Musketeers. Uh, but it's supposed to be kind of like an Errol Flynn, you know, mm-hmm. or, you know, time time period bullshit adventure movie. But everyone acts like it's Citizen Kane. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's yeah. like this amazing movie. You're like watching it and you're like, especially because it's like the final scenes is just him like stabbing a couple people and then grabbing the girl and i'm like what's the end of this movie that everyone's like it's amazing that it's just like yeah. he gets the girl this is yeah. no metropolis <laughs> yeah yeah no yeah and whatever movie they end up making is bullshit yeah. <laughs> entirely the, bullshit the dancing cavalier i think is what it's called yeah. uh-huh. the very end but before that i can't remember it's the dueling cavalier the dueling cavalier oh yes yeah. of course <laughs> Um, I, I liked that conversation. Uh, yeah. When, when Gene Kelly's wounded, when he has his moment of being like, you haven't even watched any of my movies. And, uh, th- that whole exchange is really fun. It reminded me of, um, the conversation that Edward Norton and Michael Keaton have in Birdman, where Edward Norton is talking about how legitimate theater is and how like a douchebag's born every minute. And there's like a PT Barnum quote and whatever. <laughs> and it just has that same energy of, this like there's a traditional theater and then there's what you do and what you do is like buffoonery and doesn't translate into actual art. And uh, just watching that conversation happen, you know, like so many decades before you get to see it again in Birdman and have this different experience with that conversation. It's kind of fascinating because I was like, yeah, I feel like every time there's been that technological leap, there is like, Hey, this is the new art form that comes from it. And everybody starts clutching to like the old art forms and, or a few people start embracing it and you have like a divide that happens. And it was just fun to see. And then eventually find out that uh, Debbie Reynolds doesn't really care. She actually did see a lot of his movies (laughs) and that she was just putting up a front to piss him off was just fun. I don't know. And she reads all the fan magazines. Yeah, she does. She (laughs) buys four or five of them Mm -hmm. a month. (laughs) I don't know what they cost, but geez. Uh, well, you know, jumping out of cakes pays pretty well. So. <laughs> what, what does Gene Kelly say when she does? He's like, well, now that I've seen your home, <laughs> like, now that I know where you live, I want to see your home. <laughs> that was a pretty good line. Yeah. yeah. I like Cosmo's one later where he's like, we've been looking in every cake for you. <laughs> yeah, every cake in town. <laughs> 
that and yeah just so many great lines and like the fun wordplay of it and cosmo especially as a character yeah oh, like, he's hilarious so fucking good and his whole bit about like uh well we're moving to talkies now i guess i'll quit and make that fucking sonata that i've always wanted to write and then or that symphony and then the guy's like no i want to hire you as the, the the actual composer he's like oh great i'll get to work on that symphony i've always wanted to write and like, <laughs> <laughs> just yeah he, uh, so i was gonna say fast. he ends up like the he's the head of the music department he's the writer for the the movie like he picks up multiple he's wearing all the roles as he goes and i'm sure his contract is still the same as like the guy that played the piano for the silent films right so he's probably getting paid like three cents a day but he's like the producer and the writer and the choreographer and all of these things on this it's just for one movie dixon (laughs) it's just for one they don't they're not gonna have multiple after (laughs) oh man yeah the cost on that movie too to film it a second time but add all these crazy they, dance they remade it twice because <laughs> yes. they started making it as a silent movie then they <laughs> right. shut production for three weeks and remade <laughs> it as a sound movie and then remade it again as a musical like i don't know how much like, you know, they acted like this was the biggest hit in the history of movies and they made so much money but like that had to be the biggest it, budget it had to be that's like some howard hughes type of shit right there <laughs> yeah. like you know, making your silent movie and then filming it all again and with sounds. We'll take the spruce moose to the premiere. (laughs) (laughs) I said up in. (laughs) I I think one performance in this movie that is really great that people tend to overlook is Gene Hagen as Lena Lamont. Like she's so good in that role. And, and people kind of like the, you know, the three title leads when the movie starts are, you know, Kelly O'Connor and Reynolds. uh Reynolds and but then you have Gene Hagen she's so good and like you can tell like she's just doing some incredible voice work in this movie and like you can tell that she actually does know how to sing like she just does it in that annoying voice but she's just like perfectly encapsulates this character who is just like she's very unself-aware she's and kind of didn't. like stupid in some ways but also very smart and conniving in other ways and um you know i think like that character ends up kind of salvaging towards the end is like being more impressive than anyone thought she was and like actually having the capacity to uh you know be a lot uh, smarter than anybody realized she was throughout the whole thing but uh, she's she's great and like every time she's on screen it's just like hilarity ensues yeah yeah at, at the beginning of it when she's standing there not saying anything mm-hmm. while gene kelly's telling his you know lockwood's telling his whole story uh darla was like i i don't know if i'm gonna like this movie because her like body language the way she's looking around like oh man it's super annoying <laughs> and it's like once you hear her talk darla's like oh she's supposed to be really annoying <laughs> but yeah it's not just, just the voice like, even the way she carries yeah even the way she carries herself uh-huh. uh, it, it's pretty amazing and yeah to be so and, and honestly like this was a role she picked that is off type she actually was yeah singing in other movies and was a star in her own right to then play this comedic role uh of yes with the very annoying note voice that she nails so perfectly yeah i i love it it reminds me of the uh i think it's in white christmas sorry to bring white christmas into this again but (laughs) there's that other woman who sounds very similar to her who just says mutual i'm sure to like everyone that doesn't they're like oh like meet this person this is so and so and she's like mutual i'm sure and it's just like that vapid, <laughs> ditzy, annoying. Yeah. But like, yeah, I feel like this movie gives that 
it gives that character way more depth. And yeah, her, her machinations, like her conniving mm-hmm. negotiation to yeah. try to yeah. trap yeah. Debbie Reynolds in this like contractual obligation. Like she's, she's committed to five years and blah, blah, blah. And it's kind of wild. Cause I, I forgot how it ended. I remembered like there's a reveal where they show, you know, that Debbie Reynolds has been dubbing her voice, but I didn't remember how exactly that happened. Cause the like president of the studio seems for all intents and purposes to be like, my hands are tied fucking like she does have a contract. I there's a legal ramification, but then when he's like, nah, fuck it. And they all start dancing over to the, the ropes. <laughs> like I was like, Oh, okay. So he's just going to do this and there's no legal repercussions. He's afraid of anymore. That's cool. Yeah. That they didn't sense. show where she sues the shit out of the yeah, studio. They, I guess he publicly humiliated yeah. her. Yeah, exactly. I was like, wow. All right. Yeah. Fuck it. I mean, he's probably like, we're going to make so much more money with the rest of this. We could pay those legal fees. Yeah. Fucking matter. Just roll it into the budget of this movie. (laughs) Yeah. Right. I I do wonder though, because I'm like, does he, does he know that? Because I'm like, as an executive, I'm like, well, I could have someone who I already know is a star that if I dub over her, I definitely am, am, have a great star or I can take a chance at this number one draft quarterback. And yeah. maybe uh, it'll be great. Like yeah. it's not necessarily a given that that she's that Kathy is going to be a huge star either. But the studio yeah, exec the- seems to know very little, actually, which I think is hilarious. Like I really like that yeah. character too because he's just kind of like does whatever is is convenient at the time, and he seems to have no vision really for what this movie is supposed to be or how the studio is supposed to be run. And just like random people come up to him with thoughts he's like yeah sure fucking do that and <laughs> just move on and he's just kind of a funny like hapless boss who doesn't really understand what's actually happening underneath him at his company i mean he is kind of a reflection of this you know stay the course i'm not i don't really pay attention to the headlines because i'm i'm a big important leader like this great caricature of ceos uh-huh. where you know when they have that party He's like, all right, roll the movie. And they play the dude that recorded himself who made like the most boring fucking demo reel. <laughs> and he's just like an example <laughs> of a sound picture. <laughs> and, uh, and then he's just like, yeah, isn't this isn't this stupid? Like, yeah, whatever. And everybody else in the audience is also like, yeah, this is dumb. Like, come on out from behind there. Whoever the talking man is. <laughs> the Wizard of Oz is back there. <laughs> I would have loved to see an alternate cut of this where they destroy the screen trying to find the person behind it. <laughs> like, they just go the mad. The devil that's recorded. <laughs> it's just witchcraft. But wizardry. <laughs> um, but yeah, like later, he like laughs that off. And then later he is like, didn't I tell everybody we had to watch? out for this we had to wait to keep on top of the talkies and like oh man yeah just just great flip-flop for him <laughs> i think it's interesting to think of this as a nostalgia piece if i if you know i put myself in a 1950s seat in the theater that you very well could have been a kid at the transition to the talkies like it was a new medium and exciting to you when you were young and then watching this when you're in your 30s um, and thinking back on those times, uh, kind of the way that like back to the future thinks back on the fifties, you know, mm-hmm. or, or movies now that are so excited about the eighties and honestly we've moved to the nineties now. Um, but that's sort of like 30 year nostalgia back look, mm-hmm. um, that this movie would be right. It would be for people of the fifties that remember the twenties, uh, fondly, I guess, because the world went to shit the next 20 years after mm-hmm. that, yeah. but yeah. still, <laughs> 
Yeah, it's it's. I haven't really talked to too many people or had the chance to talk to like relatives in my household about you know extended family about like what their feelings are on singing in the rain as like a piece. Well, I probably should have taken advantage of that when I knew more grandparents. Um, but it's one of those things mm-hmm. where like I do feel like this, and then um, yeah, like a lot of stuff lately that's been hey, I, th- I still feel like the '80s is going strong in a nostalgic sense, still. even though we're moving on to the '90s. We're like rolling. But for some reason, like 84 to 87 seems to be a prime period for movies to look back on right now, even with fucking Reaganism and all that other shit. Um, But yeah, like, I guess that's an interesting point. I didn't really think too much about it beyond sort of the, we noted it, um, potential sexism and some of the things that may seem problematic with the movie that are, they're not embellished, though. It's not like aggrandized. The like Steve who's sitting in that tribal makeup is only on screen for like three seconds and they really don't make a big deal out of it. They're just like, yeah, this is like what, what studios did. Like, this is just where that kind of was. I mean, they were still doing it in 52. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah exactly. I don't think they were. Yeah. I don't think they were like, Oh, this is what it was like. I don't think they even they care registered. About, yeah. This is prime breakfast that. at Tiffany's time. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, and yeah, and similarly, when they're trying to come up with the movie idea, there is a oh, we could call it Mammy. He uses oh, something Mammy, and oh, I was like, nah, that won't work. And I was like, okay, wow. <laughs> I guess you know because of the jazz singer, okay, <laughs> right? Yeah. But it was like, now nah, they knew what they were doing in the fifties, and they just didn't even they didn't register with them as a problem. Yeah. yeah, but but I mean, there wasn't like anything that felt beyond that that was like a grand eyes. Like, you know, like in White Christmas, you have them openly singing. They wish there was a minstrel show going on or something. It's like, right, right. Just that was around the same time as this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so it's one of those things where here it just felt like, I guess the most nostalgia you could get would be for, oh, yeah, that did happen. Like transitionally, the like silent to, to talkies happened. But I didn't feel like it did a whole lot to make it a big nostalgia bomb it, so much as it just used it to make musical segments happen and be like, yeah, this would be cool to have everybody dress up in like flapper girl outfits and dance this way. And yeah, yeah. fuck it. Like, <laughs> so I don't know. That's yeah, it's mostly thing. excuse to like circle jerk themselves about Hollywood and sing. Oh, yeah, dance. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> well, yeah, Dixon, did you have any other uh, observations on singing in the rain? Uh, no, <laughs> I think that about covers it. I mean, it's just like, it's just really fun watch. Um, you know, it's, it's just kind of crazy how they were able to pull this off and string together so many musical numbers that are so fucking impressive. Um, and then also like, you know, we talked about how the plots like, you know, kind of there in between them, but like there is, you know, there is actually really good character development in this. And, you know, there's a lot of stuff that does, especially the first half of the movie where plot really does the plot works really well and and you know kind of plays into what the movie is going for and then yeah toward toward the end they kind of lose it a little bit but it doesn't really matter i mean the the thing is is just a lot of fun so it's impressive how it wins you over that way Mm -hmm. or you just don't care by the end of it (laughs) yeah yeah no it made me think of dirty dancing where i'm like at the end i question why are they they all know the dance in the song now, but it's <laughs> yeah. like, you don't care. It's the same thing here. By the end of the movie, you're like, I have so much fun. I don't fucking care why he's imagining <laughs> this, the song that's supposed to be in this movie. that can't possibly be good. Yeah. Like, I'm just enjoying it. I'm just enjoying it. Um, and I think that like, even if the musical, like the title singing in the rain sequence is great. The make them laugh is excellent. Uh, I particularly like the good morning 
Like there's some really good dancing in there with the th- all three of them. Like that's mm-hmm. the, I think the one song where it's really all three of them all together um, is excellent. And like, even the ones that are like weaker, so to speak, uh, still are really good songs and still have these excellent, like I mentioned, the dancing on the chairs sequence. There's still really mm-hmm. amazing sequences in, in all of these um, to, to some extent. It doesn't just boil down to tap dancing and like some variant of the same dance style in each one, but at a different right. pace. There's a little bit something different in every one of them too. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, I'm I'm kind of curious. So what do y'all think would be like, do you think that a movie like this, and I say this priming up to be like La La Land exists, but like a movie like this <laughs> would be able to be made and be successful now? Cause like La La Land is, was successful. Mm-hmm. La La Land also feels like a light version of this. Like it doesn't, it feels like it invests a lot more in its story Yeah, and the musical moments don't last quite as long. The dancing is not quite as strong or like, well, it doesn't, it's not as intricate choreographically. Um, but like, would people put up with it? Cause, uh, I feel like the other musicals like in the Heights and that stuff, they're, they're not shooting to be this kind of abstract spectacle that slowly descends, but, uh, I don't know. You mentioned the plot kind of keeping this together and and like the quality of the character growth. And it is kind of what I've said in the past about like zany comedies like Airplane. Like there still is a plot thread that's enough engaging to keep you going with all the other stuff. And then eventually you're suckered in enough that it doesn't really matter. Like if it makes any more sense or anything anymore. But you do have to kind of pull people through. Um, And I think that more musicals now either they're jukebox musicals that it's just an excuse to put Mm -hmm. in modern songs or something like, you know, honestly they can make money with musicals, right? The greatest showman was a, an honest hit and they're still trying to shove a musical into the winter months because they think they can do it again, but they don't know what or why that worked. Uh, But something like cats that just fucking is the music sucks. (laughs) Even if if I will be honest, the butthole cut, I think they would have sold some more tickets. (laughs) (laughs) Even if the graphics in that weren't complete shit, if it was like the most amazing thing, Cats is nonsense. Like that's how Broadway works. Oh, it's really bad. Yeah, <laughs> it's absolutely terrible nonsense. songs. An, an insane plot about a death cult that sacrifices its member that wins the contest. I'm on board for that part. <laughs> that sounds rad. But then actually watching it happen, it just feels so weird. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I I guess yeah. It's one of those things where I'm like. I just think about it. And I'm like, I don't know too many Hollywood types that are hired to do these pieces that have that triple threat where it's like, we're going to do like a core, you know, it is the stable of stars sort of thing. Like here are these three people and they're all big names and they're all going to do these dances and stuff. It's way more like, Oh, we picked Ryan Gosling and Emma stone and we're going to train them up on it. Like they're not like Gene Kelly. No, right. They're not like professionals dancers. Yeah. It's like, it's like, doing this. I guess I just want to know where the next Gene Kelly is out there. Cause <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> I would love to see more movies like this made modernly. Cause they could be done so well. Like La La Land, I feel is a good test of that. And like has really cool sequences and there could just be so much more, um, in a musical than like in the Heights is multiple cuts and Lin-Manuel yeah. ice snow cone shit or whatever. <laughs> He has to put himself in every fucking thing he does. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think La La Land is an interesting comparison because it. we talked about how this 
Sing in the Rain feels a little bit more grounded and story-based until it kind of just turns into whatever. We're just doing weird musical numbers. And La La Land almost, is almost the inverse of that, where, like, it starts out doing these crazy big musical numbers. And, like, when I first saw La La Land, like, the first 10 minutes in, I was like, I'm going to have to walk out of this movie, aren't I? Like, I am about to lose my mind. <laughs> uh, because, like, usually big musical numbers like that I'm not into. They're so good in Singing in the Rain. Did not love the first couple big musical numbers in La La Land. But then it actually grounds itself and becomes this really heartfelt, love story about these two characters that kind of can't be together and the the musical numbers from then onward are much smaller in scope and just like two people kind of singing together as they're going through these different moments and i i like la land a lot i think it it works really well um but yeah i mean it's it's almost the inverse of uh, singing in the rain where it ends on a sad note and it feels more grounded and singing in the rain just gets happier and weirder yeah it does <laughs> um but yeah, I don't. I mean, I, I don't know that there's any reason that a movie like Singing in the Rain wouldn't be successful again. I think it's really fucking hard to, to pull off, right? Like the, yeah. uh, you know, the level of dancer that you have to have in these things and the commitment to doing these crazy dance sequences and all these bits. Um, I don't. It's just not really done anymore. And like, if I feel like if a big studio put money into it and got a good director behind it and got professional dancers from Broadway or whatever and had film the movie like this there's no reason that it wouldn't be successful if the songs were good and the dance numbers were well choreographed yeah. but um you know it's just like a lot of musicals from this time weren't good because they didn't have great songs or great dance numbers and it's it's hard to know if that kind of stuff is going to be good even if you put all the resources in the world into it yeah you also need to have actors who have concentrated cocaine levels in their body along with the four packs yeah. they smoke. That's really uh, the key. <laughs> just able to put their body through absolutely anything. Yeah. <laughs> Run up two walls and jump through one. Yeah. Do a raffle copter on the floor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There certainly were a lot of musicals in that time period in the 50s, but I don't think any of them have really stuck around um, to the extent that Singing in the Rain has. Yeah. I think now... You, you know, you look at La La Land and the type of dancing. I think if you wanted to make this, because back in 50, this is prime Gene Kelly, Fred Astaire, Ginger mm -hmm. Rogers, uh, tap dancing, <laughs> like time. And that that's part of why it works. I think now you would have to take modern dance sensibilities, you know, I guess maybe uh, Electric Boogaloo. You know, maybe the breaking movies were supposed to be it. There's no singing, yeah. but... Um, <laughs> If now, if you take, you know, some of the modern hip hop styles that are popular, they do definitely draw people in. And there is talent that is amazing, like technically, physically amazing. Um, but no one's really thinking like, oh, I'll take that in the, into a movie and mix it all together. Yeah. Um, and I still don't know if there's someone who is a star that's quite to that same caliber to pull all this off. It is a little crazy how someone like Gene Kelly can kind of do it all yeah you know and, and debbie reynolds didn't even dance before this and the fact that she picked up all of it and looks so good yeah i think too a lot of a lot of modern studios and filmmakers just wouldn't have the guts to actually film these long dance sequences and just mm -hmm. let them breathe on yeah. their own like True. just the tendency to like okay we got to move the camera around and put some digital editing into this and make it look stupid because we're like afraid that 
maybe audiences will get bored just watching people dance or what if somebody fucks up something and so we're just gonna like film it this way to uh kind of reduce the risk of having to continue to reshoot these and and get them right and um you know i i don't know that studios would take that risk anymore when like you know if if the dancing is good, that that's what should be featured, right? Like that's why singing in the rain works so well is because the dance numbers are fucking insane and they just let you watch them, right? They don't try yeah. to mess around with it. They don't get in the way. They don't put a pause in there so that your characters can have some kind of funny dialogue and progress some other bullshit part yeah. of the story mm -hmm. or any of that. They're just like, yeah, fucking, uh, yeah, here's an abstract about Hollywood and how it works on Broadway, I guess. Uh, yeah, I think the only... <laughs> like that I would say truly edited sequence is the singing, singing in the rain. I think because mm -hmm. his suit, like the Goes level of wet he is <laughs> kind of changes back and forth a little bit. And I think that scene problem. would be too. Yeah. It would be too difficult to, to actually film that as one sequence. Like that one's legitimately difficult, but pretty much everything else is one sequence. And the sequences in that one are pretty long yeah, they are. anyway, even with the little bits of edits. Um, but even today with musicals, right, we have plenty of things that are musicals. Honestly, Disney movies, almost every Disney movie has a, yeah. a singing as a key component of it. Uh -huh. But when you look at the recent live action adaptations, they fucking fuck with their voices digitally. Like yeah. they can't even just let them sing uh -huh. either. I watched the fucking Mean Girls remake today. Oh, I'm sorry. And oh uh, it's like, yeah, like the lead actress is clearly not singing her own like like the the regina george character she's clearly not singing her own songs and it's so fucking obvious that that's the case it's like uh. you can't just hire somebody who can sing like and then not do all of this digital edit like even the people who you can tell it is their voice they're clearly fucking around with it and yeah right it's just it doesn't work very it takes the reality out of it when you do that they're all using the debbie reynolds software yeah it's <laughs> <laughs> a good point it's all it's all Cher's fault the fucking yeah. <laughs> fucked this up her is, voice yeah, in that right. do you believe in magic or whatever it was do, do you, you believe, believe in love, love after it's life all, yeah it's every yeah. that yeah she fucked with her voice digitally and now everybody does it it's all Cher's fault uh, <laughs> don't you blame this it's, on Cher it's love after people. love <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, whatever it is. Yeah, whatever. I don't believe in it. <laughs> Fuck it. Yeah, and it's it's like the um, Spielberg remade West Side Story. It's fine. It no heart. Yeah, it's just like <laughs> the 1961 West Side Story is actually good, and I don't. I felt like there was just no reason to remake it. I was like, okay, yeah. this is just like a worse version of that one so oh, it's like, like why the, do i care the psycho of west side story <laughs> like uh, yes, I mean, it wasn't yeah, that, not that bad level oh, okay. of a shot for shot <laughs> remake but it, it felt like spielberg just liked west side story so we wanted to make it you know like there was nothing to there's no reason to remake it in modern times he didn't do anything to the story to make it different or anything or to the filmmaking style it was just worse than than the first one and the way it's shot it's like yeah it's like you have these moving camera sequences and like that's interesting in some movies but in a in a dance sequence like that, I don't want to be weaving in and out and like not feel like I know what's going on. Like I feel like one of the the camera techniques that works really well in Singing in the Rain are these crane shots where mm. you know you start out zoomed in on one or two characters dancing, and then you get this big zoom out where you can see kind of the scale of everything, and it it looks 
so real because they're showing you like, no, here, look at it. it it's just this massive thing that we're filming right here. All these people. And that was like the, the opening of the Broadway sequence where like all of those lights, just the neon yeah. signs and everything. I thought it was just like optical overlays. And then it, when you nope. actually started panning <laughs> through it, I was like, oh shit, this is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, some of those older movies, right, with like the synchronized swimming and like, yeah, the crane shots above those or whatever. There is some crazy like scale of technicality that they had that, yeah, yeah we kind of just wave away now. Mm. Uh, yeah, what yeah. was that whole fucking weird montage that happened? The moment that <laughs> yes. like talkies break through, there's like uh, like just floating legs doing shit, and then uh-huh, like, yeah, yeah, a bunch of it, like, it reminded me of the opening of Mulholland Drive, like that jitterbug sequence. Yeah, I yeah, I think that it was a little bit of a fever dream early in the movie, but I, I think it was supposed to be like, oh, here's what the movies are that are coming out that are getting it. people excited yeah. that are just like. Mm. Yeah, somebody talking into a, a a megaphone or people dancing and, and whatever, and that's just what it is. There's just so many Zucker that, Brother jokes I can think of because of this movie, where it's like you would have had that montage of all of these profound things, and then like a dude farting, and be like, people would be like, "Wow, <laughs> like amazed." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the fucking ass, whatever oh, yeah. in, uh, from Idiocracy, <laughs> Idiocracy, the yeah. top grossing film. <laughs> Well, cool. I guess we can round up uh, our thoughts on this. Uh, John, is this a a recommend for you? Oh, yeah. I'll be subscribing to uh, Monument Pictures Plus uh, coming up soon. That (laughs) subscription (laughs) service, I'm sure. Got to catch the Dancing Cavalier. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. I want it for the classics, the the archive. (laughs) (laughs) The Dixon. Yes, I would definitely recommend it. it. It's great. Even if you don't like musicals, it's great. You should check it out. Yeah, I, same here. I, I kind of it has been a while since I watched it, and definitely like I really enjoyed it. I definitely was sitting there just thinking like this is just fun, like it's just fun. That's exactly mm-hmm. what it is. Um, and really, if yeah, if someone is absolutely like musicals suck, they could sit and watch this one and just have a good time and kind of give up that they're singing and dancing because it is just it's fun within itself because of the technical quality of it and the way they build the humor into the singing and dancing. Uh, it just works. It just yeah. really is fun. I always forget how funny the movie is. Like it's it's really funny. It's it's more comedy than people give it credit for. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah and it's not. Yeah, not even just the like I, all the sequence of when they start trying to film the talkie and they just it's totally just Lena, <laughs> you know, horribly pronouncing things, talking yeah. poorly into the I mics and all that. <laughs> <laughs> yes. like a ralph wiggum at the same time sort of uh yeah it's excellent all right well that's uh around the full table here all three say yeah watch it even though it's a musical it's great it's fun it's a good time uh i have been your host ryan king and with me as always uh john garcia is this where i talk to i'm not sure <laughs> Make love to the bush, John. Oh, okay. I could do that. How's it going, Bush? <laughs> hey. And also, and also, Michael Dixon, thanks for putting up with our bullshit. <laughs> Gotta put up with our bullshit.
Hey there, movie buffs, TV toughs, and all listeners in between. John here from the Afterthoughts Podcast. I just wanted to drop in at the end of this episode and say thanks for listening. If you've got afterthoughts of your own to share, hit us up. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at The Afterpod, or jump into a conversation on our Discord server. You can find info for this and more at theafterpod.transistor.fm. Thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you on the next episode.